great, great, great God. He is excellent in all things, not found wanting for anything. It is in him that we live, move, and have our being. He is great. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, Forest family, and indeed it's a privilege to be with you again, and to all of our guests and, and visitors, we like to say welcome. Thank you for coming to worship with us. We pray that the Lord will teach you something new about himself, about yourself, and how much you need him upon this morning. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua, the first chapter, we'll be continuing a sermon series through the book of Joshua entitled Fueled by Faith. Fueled by Faith. It is their faith and trust in God that propels them into the land and allows them to do courageous and marvelous things, not in their own strength, but because of the God whom they serve. That is what is taking place here. So Joshua, the first chapter, and as you do the the particular text that we will be looking at this morning is deeply encouraging. It is a deeply encouraging text. It, it, it is that, that particular text that you look to when you are scared. When, when you need courage, when you need to be reminded about how God uh, deals with his people, how great and how powerful he is, this is the chapter, the text of scripture that I find myself always going back to for encouragement and for strength. Joshua, the first chapter. Let us all stand for the reading of God's word. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 9. 1 through 9. This is the word of God. Hear the voice of Christ. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, unto the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. and Do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are indeed with us this morning. But Father, there is not any corner or crevice in this world that you do not know what's going on. You are not only God of this planet, you are God of the universe. All matter and all atoms Neutrons are in the palm of your hand, dear God. There's nothing outside of your power. And Father, as we humbly approach your word this morning, Lord, teach us how to trust in you. Father, give us a spirit of courage that we can get up from the situation where we find ourselves out and accomplish that which you have told us to put our hands to. But, Father, you have called us to to do your work and to do your bidding for your kingdom purposes, dear God, and we get the benefit of being used by you. So, Father, I pray that you will open up our eyes this morning, that we will see your word clearly. Give us ears to hear and give us hearts to receive that which is in this text. Father, may your spirit be heavy in this place. Father, whatever situation or circumstances we find ourselves battling against, Lord, may you give us a word on, on this morning that we can't be encouraged and that we don't have to be afraid because you have not given your children the spirit of fear. But, Father, you have called us to, to take dominion of what you have already given us, dear God. So I pray that you will give us the, the courage to do just that, to trust your word, to believe your word, to be crazy enough to know that you're able to do it all because you said it and you promised. So, Father, as we look into this text, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. What do you think most people want out of life? I mean, what do you think most people are chasing, pursuing? What are they looking for? According to our culture and society, it's pretty easy to to know what people are looking for, and many people are looking to be those, those three keys, healthy, wealthy, and wise. They want to be healthy because they, they want to make sure They feel good and everything in their life is going right. They want to be happy. And if they're healthy, then they feel like they're happy. And most people want to be wealthy and they want to make sure they have all that they need and more more so. Or maybe you just want to be able to get just enough to be content. But then people also want to be wise. But I believe they want to be wise in order that they can continue to be healthy and wealthy so they can learn how to maintain it. But in this culture, if we are pursuing that notion of success, we will always be chasing it. We will always be running after it. Because in order to receive the same enjoyment from various levels of health and wealth, 
you always have to be adding to it. So in the end, your success actually becomes the pursuit of material things. And for those who are the people of God, the children of God, we have to push back against the serpent's whisper in our ear saying, just get more. What we actually need to do is redefine what success really is. Because according to scripture, and according to what we, we see in Joshua this morning, success, success is completely different than what this world defines. As commissioned followers of Jesus, we have to push back against this insanity. And in the text before us this morning, we see Yahweh promising Joshua prosperity and success. But this isn't material success. It's not material in nature because success is simply living for God. True success is found in faithfully following the will of God for your life. And here in the first chapter of Joshua, God is unfolding his will for Joshua. This is a plan that is ultimately for his glory and their good. God is sending Joshua to lead his people into the promised land to fulfill the promise he made to Abraham over 400 years ago. And before Joshua is able to raise any concerns about this task that he's been given by God, God, God promises that, that where he sends Joshua, he will make sure Joshua has what he needs. Simply put, where God sends, God supplies. Because God equips where he calls, Joshua can courageously obey the voice of God. This goes for us today. Because God equips where he calls, you can courageously obey his voice. The context of this passage of scripture here is the children of Israel are right about to go into the land. They are on the precipice of the promised land. They are on the very edge. They are about to enter in. And for the last 40 years, it has been reasonably chill. 40 years, there hasn't been too many fights, too much chaos. Those who were causing all the problems have been dying off. And now they're getting ready to enter into, into the promised land. And, and what we see here in the first chapter is a commissioning service by God for Joshua. He is raising up for himself a new leader. And what, what does it, a commissioning service mean? To, the, the word commission means the act of committing or entrusting a person, group, with supervisory power or authority. And this is authority granted for a particular action or function. You're not commissioned just to get a badge. You're commissioned to do something. That's why this commission comes to Joshua, because he is to take the children of Israel into the promised land. And this, this is a divine calling upon his life. God's commission is both a calling and sending. There's two parts to it. He is, he is calling Joshua to be the next leader over the children of Israel. And because he is called to lead, he is called to action. See, a lot of us, we like to be called to lead, but we don't like to do anything with those responsibilities. Well, not us, the world. No one at Forest would do that. But Joshua, he would need to exercise extraordinary leadership in this time. 
I mean, could you imagine the weight? This situation, you have this weight on your shoulders because of the example that Moses left you with. This dude was in the face of God, able to carry out miraculous things because of the power of God. He had so much wisdom, yet in so much humility. So if Joshua was looking at filling the shoes of Moses, he had to be trembling like, I can't do this. If, if, if Moses got upset with these folks, what would I do? He can only imagine. But not only that, the weight is on Joshua because of the number of people who are in the wilderness that he has to lead. Scholars, there, there's some disagreement between numbers, but this number can go between 20,000 to 2 million people. You, responsible for two million people. I'm responsible for five people, and that's difficult. Can you imagine making sure two million people were fed? Two million people were, were, were camping just right. Two million pe people were approaching God just right. Two million people, their souls on your back. Tremendous pressure, tremendous obstacles, Crossing the Jordan, the land is inhabited. You're not just going to walk in with ease. But you know what? When I look at the text, though God has said, I'm giving you this land, Joshua really don't know exactly where he's going, does he? Because God is saying, enter into the land. You just go. That harkens back to Genesis 12 chapter where God tells Abraham just to go into this land. But Joshua's going to do this. So Joshua will soon find out that knowing a promise is quite different than claiming a promise. See, weak individuals such as ourselves could never accomplish the purposes of God on our own. So as God sends out individuals for his kingdom mission, he supplies their needs. When looking at this commissioning service for Joshua, we see that God supplies four things for those he sends. You can obey God's voice because God supplies the call. You can obey God's voice because God supplies the care. You can obey God's voice because God supplies the orders. And you can obey God's voice because God supplies the opportunity. Just look in the text, verses 1 through 4. God supplies the call. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I, I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Notice a few things in this text. God's commissioning is twofold. He is setting apart Joshua as the new leader. This is my man. This is the one who I, I will anoint to lead my people. But then also, it's a, this is a description of the destination. Joshua, you're my man. 
And this is where I want you to go. But not only that, the fact that God is speaking directly to Joshua is confirmation that he is the Lord's choice. When we look back over the text of Scripture, we see when God is talking to someone face to face, he is calling them to a specific task. It's like, it's almost like creation. When God spoke, all things came into being. As he is speaking to these individuals, a a action, a creation is taking place in their hearts. They are being created to lead. God is speaking to them. But also notice Moses' present position, because the text is clear. This is Moses' assistant. This is not another leader from another tribe. This is someone who who has not been at the top. This is someone who has not had time to lead already. But what else? You see, he says, now therefore, my servant Moses is dead. But then it's like, Moses dead, period, now, therefore. This shows us that, that no matter human frailty and weakness, that God's plans continue on in spite of us. We may think we're necessary and needed, but if this is the purpose of God, his plan goes on in spite of you. This should be humbling to to us to to know that we have the privilege of being part of the mission, but the mission is not dependent upon us. That should be encouraging, knowing that if I fail, if I fall, if I blow it, that the mission is still going to continue. If I move on, if I, I shift to the side, the mission is still going on. God points out this geographical region, and he hearkens back to the promise that he had already made to Moses in Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter, just as I promised to Moses. So what, what do we see here? We see here that leadership in, in the text of Scripture is never, it, it's never tied to a person's qualifications, but it's always tied to the call of God upon a, a person's life. When you look at scripture, it's not about what you bring to the table that determines whether God chooses to use you for his purposes. It's not whether you have a high school degree or whether you went to Southern or, or male. Or, it doesn't mean that you had to graduate from Kentucky or U of L. Your qualifications really don't matter when it comes to God's call upon your life. Think about God's call on Noah. Think about God's call on Abraham, Jacob. Think about Moses. The text always says, we can't just like show up to the situation. We don't get no background. We don't, we don't get to see how prosperous his family was. We don't, you know, we don't get to see his pedigree. But we just show up, and it's always God saying, I got a job for you. That's powerful. Because if I don't have to worry about the qualifications, if God calls me, then I know I can do it. Think about the disciples. In John, the 15th chapter, Jesus is is teaching his disciples, and he says this to them in the 16th verse of the 15th chapter. He says, you did not choose me, 
But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. That's how God works. It's not based upon who we are. Think about this. If, if qualifications for ministry depending on, upon your past, I'm not even going to talk about us. And let's just talk about, like, Paul. Like, so God is looking at Paul's life. He's saying, hmm, I, let me see if he's qualified. Well, he's pretty smart, and, and he has this all together. But, man, he shows killing those Christians. Mm, I don't know if I can use that. He, man, he is disparaging my name. Man, they just stoned one of my saints. They just stoned Stephen. How could I use something? God does not look at your past qualifications to determine if you're suitable for his purposes or not. He just calls you. The call qualifies you. Like, everything that you need, he is supplying anyway. What a blessing. What a privilege. When we look at the text, because it's God who supplies the call, whomever God chooses will always be a match for the mission. Be a match for the mission. At, growing up in Detroit, I always rooted for the Pistons. I, I, I remember to this day being a kid and crying after Larry Bird stole the ball from Isaiah Thomas and made that layup. I have, I, had, I, had, I had bunk beds with Superman sheets. I remember laying, I was crying. I was like, we got Boston, we got him, and Bird stole the ball. I was like, you just started crying. But I remember in 2004, a season that was just a normal season, and all of a sudden, the Pistons had a squad with Chauncey Billups, Richard Hamilton, Tayshaun Prince, Rasheed Wallace, and Ben Wallace. None of them cats going to the Hall of Fame. Just regular, regular dudes. But you know what? They were the perfect match for the mission. They had a common goal, and that goal was to win the championship. There was no superstars on that team per se, but it was a bunch of individuals filling their part, doing their duty for the entire mission. So when I, so when I look at that team, that, I think that's a phenomenal team. It, it, because all of the efforts were dependent upon one person. And well, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, what I'm saying is God has called you for a particular purpose. You don't got to be an all-star. You don't got to be real sweet. But God just wants you to play your part. You are a match for the mission that he's given you. And when you fulfill your purposes and when, and when you get out the middle and when God becomes the center of the mission, then all of a sudden things happen. Things change. Because when God calls, he does not make a mistake. When he calls your name, you are a match for the mission. When God is the goal and not his stuff. When God is the goal and, and not his favor. When God is the goal and not his blessing. See, we, we may want to be part of the mission because of the stuff that comes with the package. But God is saying, I want people who just don't want my stuff I want people who want me. I can do something with that. And if we thought like that, then, then getting people to do stuff in ministry wouldn't matter. Because we think ministry is based upon your qualifications. 
and not based upon the call. Qualifications matter, yes, but we need to understand that when God anoints you to do something, he supplies everything that goes with that call. So when, so when you hear things like, well, we need help in this area. Well, I'm, I'm not that good with kids. And, uh, you know, teenagers, they get on my nerves. Oh, and I, every time I, 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 I can't cook a hot dog. And, oh, I really don't like greeting people at the front door. You know, it mess with my nerves. You know, I got allergies. And, and you know, and, well, I can't really sing. And, uh, and, and uh, you can go, oh, your qualifications is not why God is calling you. But when he calls you, he is giving you what you need. You just show up. You can obey God's voice because God supplies the call. You don't have to worry about getting everything ready. Because God supplies your call, you will be a match for the mission he has for you. Not only does God supply the call, but God supplies the care. Look back at verse no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life just as I was with Moses so I will be with you I will not leave you or forsake you I will not leave you or forsake you notice this promise is, is verbatim pretty much of the promise that God gave to Moses back in Deuteronomy the 7th chapter this is a, a reassurance that, Joshua, the situation may look different, but I haven't changed. The same promise I gave you before is the same promise we're holding on to right now. Nothing's changed, and this promise now reaffirms Joshua in a way. This is yet another indication that, Joshua, I, I know Moses was sweet, and I know it's going to be hard walking in his shoes. But since I called you, you'll be able to do what I've called you to do. Do, do you see God's care in this text? I mean, he, if you look at the, the number of times the name of Moses comes up, it's as if God is, is metaphorically using Moses' name as like a blankie for Joshua. He's holding on to it like, like Linus from Charlie Brown. Moses, just hold on to what I did for Joshua. I'll do the same for you. Joshua, just hold on to how I use Moses. I'll do the same for you. Joshua, I'm not asking you to do anything just excellent or super outrageous out of your ability. I, I just want you to remember what I did with Moses because I'll do the same thing with you. He is reassuring. But yet, when we look at this text, we, we have to realize that though this promise is a guarantee, that there is, still will be opposition to God's plan. God is telling Joshua, no man will be able to stand. Well, why does he say that? Because he's about to face opposition. He is about to go into battle. He is about to, to, to go into this land. What? I... I I pray Joshua wasn't thinking like the Canaanites was going to be like, oh, the Israelites are here. Welcome them. Come take our stuff. Come have our houses. Do what you know. They were going to oppose them vehemently. They were going to 
do everything they could to stop them. Why do I know that? Because Satan was using them to try to oppose God's plan. And Satan is always in opposition to what God is doing in your life. So if you are trying to be on mission for God, you better believe that Satan is going to give you opposition. As a matter of fact, if you don't have any opposition in your life, I dare say that maybe your plans coincide with what Satan is doing right now. Ultimately, though, ultimately, no man will be able to stand. No one will be able to stand. Because the battle, they're, they're not battling with Joshua, are they, really? They're opposing God and his plans. I mean, it reminds me of that song, that, that old song, Mighty Long Way. You know, you come to that frame, I should have been dead sleeping in my grave. And what does it say next? But, but you made my enemies behave. Uh, won't he do it? Won't, won't, won't he make your enemies in opposition behave? Won't he do it? Won't he show up and all of a sudden the opposition that, that was holding you back, all of a sudden they like, come on through. Won't he do it? Won't he take a situation and flip it? Turn it around? God is able to do all of that. He's able to take away all opposition to his plan. So Joshua, he's not alone. God promises that he will not leave him or forsake him. God is not an absentee father who makes a promise but then bails on the other side. God is not an absentee father who is trying to make you like him in order to please his purposes. See, he, he's with you in the, the, the good times and the difficult times. Kind of reminds me of that shepherd boy, David. This is before King David. This is shepherd boy, David, when the Philistines were battling Israel and Goliath was talking junk about God and the people of God. And David shows up and he, he, he's offended that, how would you let this Philistine talk about our God? I, I, I believe that in the back of David's mind, he was thinking about Joshua, where it says no man will be able to stand in your way. And he, he's thinking about the promises of God and he's looking back over the past. And in verse 45 of 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, he says, he's talking to Goliath and he says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with the javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So Goliath's battle really, really wasn't with the, the, the children of Israel. Goliath's battle was with God. And when you come up against God's plan, you're not battling people. You're not battling, you're not battling that particular situation. You are coming up against God. Some of us in here right now are bumping our heads like crazy up against the wall. We keep, we just running into the wall over again. Why? Because our plans are matching up with what God's plans for our life. So God is trying, you, you bump your head up, you, you get an F, I got to take you to class again. And we bump our head, and God said, I got to take you again. Because we are, we, the very people of God, are in opposition to God's plan. How could we? If you're a child of God, you will have opposition. Enemies trying to hold their ground. 
But in the midst of this, you need to remember that God is with you. He will not leave you. Disappear. Forsake you. Forget about you. There's been many times in your life where you know God has called you to a particular mission, yet things are falling apart, but God will not leave you and not forsake you. And the reason why we know this is because God doesn't give us the name of Moses to be our blanket. But the text tells us that he gives us a better name, and that name is Jesus. Because the text tells me in in Hebrews, the third chapter, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. He's saying, you like the house? Let me, let me introduce you to the builder of the house, the architect, the one who, who, who made the material in the palm of his hand. Let me introduce you to one who was greater than Moses. And he goes on. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to things that were to be spoken later. Moses was a faithful servant, but he says, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast to our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Our hope is not in in our last name. Uh, My my hope is not in my first name. My hope is in the name of Jesus because it's at the name of Jesus that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess because his name is a greater name. You are not alone and you can obey the voice of God because God supplies the care. Because God supplies your care, you will be victorious over opposition. So God supplies the call, God supplies the care, but look here, God supplies the guide. Verse 6, be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Success. Notice the repeated use of strong and courageous. When it comes to talking about the word, though, it's strong and very courageous. And this is uh, applicable to Joshua specifically. Joshua, your success will be determined by your proximity to my word. Joshua, you will be successful if you are close to my word. Now, now Joshua, you will find yourself weak. And, 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 and weary when you step away from my word, but when you are in close proximity to my word, you will be everything that you need in order to accomplish what I have for you. He needed to be resolute. He needed to be strong. And I like verse 6. Joshua, he's not only called to lead the people, but he becomes the very instrument that God uses to usher him in. 
for, for, be strong and courageous for you shall cause. We know God is working this situation, but he chooses to use Joshua. There's situations that God wants to use us to do, to accomplish, to happen, and we're not showing up. He wants to use us to accomplish his will in the world. We, there's a lot of times where we will watch the news and sit back and say, woe is me. Somebody should do something. You know, what, you know, you know who that somebody is? That somebody is you. Because if, if you are a child of God, God has called you to be a redemptive vehicle, a redemptive thing within this, uh, this earth. How do I know? Because Matthew 5 has called us to be salt and light. He has called us to have, a, have an effect upon the culture and to bring God's witness. He is calling us to do something. That is what success really is. Success is living in obedience to God's word. So how do we apply this, though? So God uses the, these instructions to Joshua to show us a couple of things. He shows us that in, in order to be successful for the mission that he has created us for, that we need to know God's word. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. From my mouth? The word of God needs to be in me. I need to know God's word. I need to be speaking God's word. So I know God's word. And, I, and there's, a, there's a additional thing that he asks. He says, but you shall meditate on it day and night. When we think about meditation, we think about Eastern or, or what has been imported to Western culture, the thought of meditation. Whereas meditation is sitting, you clear your mind, and you're at peace with the world. The meditation that the Bible talks about is actually, you're not emptying your mind, you're filling up your mind. You're taking God's word and you're filling it up. You're depositing in your mind and, and, and like a cow chewing cud, then you begin just to chew on God's word throughout the day. People are coming against you. Co-workers are at your throat. Your boss is on your nerves and you just chewing. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ. And you're just chewing on the word of God to the point where can't nothing touch you. You're meditating on it. You can obey God's voice. Because God supplies the orders, because God supplies your orders, you will be successful in service. God supplies the call. God supplies the care. God supplies the orders. Lastly, God supplies the opportunity. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Notice in this text, God says, have I not commanded you? This is an order. Joshua, it's time to go. I've told you what to do. Be strong. I'm going to be with you wherever you go. See, and I like how it closes because he says, for the Lord your God is with you. And in this text, that's 
he has saying, I will be with you. But when he says the Lord your God, God, he's invoking his covenant-keeping name, Yahweh. So when he's saying, he's saying Yahweh, your Elohim, Yahweh, your God, uh, the one who has covenanted with Israel, the one who has promised that I will be with you, the Lord your God, I will be with you. And, and then he clears it all for Joshua, wherever you go. So Joshua, if you go up that mountain, I'm going to be with you. Joshua, you walk around that tree, I'm going to be with you. Joshua, I know you don't know where you're going, but I'm going to be with you. When you pick up the rocks, when you go past that cave, I'm going to be with you. You may think that I can't see you, and you may think that the road is too hard to travel, but I'm going to be with you wherever you go, whatever situation, whatever circumstance, I will be with you. This is God saying, all right, let's go. Verse 9 is, let's go. But at the end of the day, either Joshua will, Joshua will believe God or not. He has the opportunity to obey or not. He can trust God and walk or he can fold up and stay. See, this is an example of a passive faith, faith versus an active faith. A passive faith says, I love God with all my heart. I love him with all my soul. An act of faith says, I love God with all my heart. I love him with all my soul. Now what you got for me to do? Because an act of faith is going to do something with the supplies that have been given. See, a, a, a passive faith says, hmm, well, let me just pray about that. But an act of faith says, uh, let me pray about it. And uh, Lord, what would you have me to do while I'm praying about it? Lord, would you have me to study your word some more? Would you have me just to show up? Uh, Lord, well, as I'm praying about it, what would you have me to do? Is your faith active or passive? If someone showed up who was trustworthy, and you knew they had it, and they wrote you a check for $1,000, you knew it was clear, it wouldn't bounce, you wouldn't get any transaction fees on your account. You, they was good for it. You knew they were. And they wrote you a $1,000 check, but you never cashed it. Would it be any good? Is your faith any good? Have you cashed it? Have, have you exercised your faith? Have, 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 you, have, you, have you walked in faith, believing and trusting God where you are? And no, no matter where you are, when we're trusting God, he can move us forward. You can't obey God's voice because God supplies the opportunity. Because God supplies the opportunity, you will be choosing to obey. Can we choose today? You know, we, we serve a God who is so good, so kind, so gracious. And we see here in the text just how committed he is to Joshua. And to his purposes, what we, we, we really see here, Jehovah Jireh, in action. The Lord will provide. And when we look over our lives, the, despite how hard things have been, or even how hard things are right now, God's been good to you. God has supplied for our needs over and over and over again. The fact that one even has the desire to serve God testifies to the fact that he supplies the cost. 
The fact that Satan and his minions, uh, this world and your flesh, haven't defeated you yet is a testifies to the fact that God supplies your care. The fact that we have Bibles demonstrate that God gives us guidance, but yet the temptation we face is when we look at this text, we believe that we're Joshua's. That we are the ones who, could, who would run headlong into danger. That we're the ones who would get it right and take dominion of the land. But you know what? We only need to look back at last week to see all the ways that we failed to obey God, the one who supplies all our needs. Last week, this morning, we can look back at our day this morning to see just how we have failed at being obedient to God's will. When we look back over our frustration or our, our trust issues, and we have chosen not to be obedient. When faced with choosing humility or pride, who wins? So are we really Joshua? Nah. Nah, we're not. Can you really just de decide to do better this time? If that was the case, you would have done it by now. No, we can't just do better. And you're right, no one's perfect. But our hope is in the one who is. And his name is Jesus. It's, it's, it's not when I look upon my life, but when I look upon the sinless sacrifice of Jesus, do I find help and hope. It's when I, I not look at my glory, but the glory of God is where I find my, my strength and my help. It's, it's not my situation, but when I look to the hills, which where it comes my help. My help comes from the Lord is when I look to him. It's when things begin to change. It's not me. And if you've already trusted in Jesus through repentance and faith in him, then you know all too well that you will fail and you will fall and you will blow it. But praise be to God that he gives us a grace that cleanses us, that cleans us, that purifies us, motivates us, encourages us, and text tells us, it gives us, it teaches us how to have self-control. So for those who are in Christ, though we are failures, we have everything in Jesus Christ. But yet if you're here today and you have not trusted in Jesus Christ through repentance and faith, then really you, you're on your own. When it comes time to pay back all that you owe, that what the Bible calls a sin debt. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For those who are not in Christ Jesus, your hope is on yourself. You're going to have to try to fix things with God. This is a courageous commission. Joshua facing a tremendous responsibility, yet God promises to supply his every need. Because where God sends, he supplies. So what do we learn from Joshua this morning? We learned that the God of Joshua is our God, Yahweh. We learned that God sees you where you are. And he's know, he, know, he knows where you've been. God sees you and he knows where you are right now and he knows where he wants to take you. But most of all, in the midst of life, God wants you to know him. And today your opportunity is to obey his call, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
This was going to be a hard road for Joshua. What if things never change? God wants to get us to a point that if things never change in our life, that we would still love him. We would still trust him and believe that he has called us for his very purposes. So how do you measure success? You know, Erwin Lutzer, in his book, Conquering the Fear of Failure, he writes this story about a little boy. And he says, a little boy came to the Washington Monument and noticed the guard standing by it. The little boy says, I want to buy it. How much do you have, asked the guard. 35 cents. You need to understand three things, the guard explained. First, 35 cents is not enough to purchase this monument. In fact, $35 million is not enough. Second, the Washington Monument is not for sale. And third, if you are an American citizen, you already own it. If you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, you already own success. And his name is Jesus. And he is able to do all things exceedingly and abundantly, more than we ever ask or think. How often are we asking God for blessings that are already ours in Christ? Ephesians 1 and 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. God is saying today, it's yours. It's yours. You just come. Success is living in obedience and walking in the power of God. Are you ready for a courageous commission? Let us pray. Father, you are indeed faithful. And indeed, where you sin, you supply. So Father, no matter where we are in our life, where we are in our walk, you are able to lead us, to guide us, and to direct us. So Father, upon this day, help redefine in our hearts what success really looks like. Help us not to chase after the the cares and the affairs of this world, but help us to chase after Jesus. Give us more Jesus, that our lives may be transformed. Give us more Jesus, that we may be encouraged. Give us more Jesus, that we may be transformed, ready to share with the lost and dying world what it means to be saved. And Father, I pray for the one who is loaded down with burdens even today, dear God. I pray that you will use the name of Jesus to encourage them like a blanket and that you will rub your loving arms down their back and hold them in your arms to remind them that those who are in Christ Jesus have everything already. So Father, I ask that you will bless your word and that your word will do the work. In Jesus' precious and holy name we do pray. Amen. Amen.